Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Raul is a 48-year-old college professor who comes in to see you because of low back pain radiating down his left leg. He's been hiking yesterday and he slipped and fell, landing hard as he was coming back down the mountain. This morning, he found himself very stiff and in a great deal of pain. The pain continues to go down from his lower back on the left to his ankle. He tells you it is in the middle of the semester and he asks for what kind of help you can give him to get him back to functioning. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and the Executive Editor of Dynamed. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Frank. Uh, I must say, I, I empathize with poor Raul because um, low back pain with sciatica visits me often. Um, can you just, just remind us a little bit about how sciatica differs from other types of back pain? So when we talk about acute low back pain, we're generally talking about a nonspecific musculoskeletal problem. Uh, and that's really just a symptom. Uh, in this regard, it's the same way as when someone comes in with a headache. The symptom is not a disease. The pain in the lower back can originate from a number of structures, such as the muscles or ligaments or the bony spine or some combination of them. But when we talk about sciatica, we're talking about a much more specific presentation with a more specific cause. Sciatica is characterized by that pain that radiates from the lower back down uh, to the lower part of the leg. With regular low back pain, you may get some radiation into the upper thighs, but with sciatica, it will radiate below the knee and often all the way down to the ankle or foot. And it radiates in a dermatomal pattern. And this is caused by some uh, irritation or pinching or um, some other compression on a nerve. Typically, uh, it'll be unilateral. Often, uh, acute low back pain may be maybe one side, maybe bilateral, but sciatica tends to be unilateral. And things that can cause it, uh, the thing we worry about most is a herniated disc, although other things uh, that, that stretch the nerve or uh, that can compress the nerve uh, may also be at play. So it's associated with low back pain, but typically when you have sciatica, the leg pain is worse than the back pain. Okay, so you talked about a nerve being irritated or pinched. How do you decide who needs um, imaging, in particular an MRI? Well, the, uh, the, the guidance for who needs an MRI is similar to anyone else with back pain, which is, are there any red flags? And the red flags are looking for specific, specific things, for instance, signs of infection. And you should think of uh, possible infection in someone who's had fever or chills, if they're immunosuppressed, which includes chronic steroid use, or if they're an IV drug user, or have some other read, maybe they've got uh, a bacterial endocarditis. Um, another indication uh, for concern is if they might have malignancy. So anyone with a history of cancer, if they've been losing weight, if they're over 50, uh, all these things uh, should make you at least think about that possibility. And then finally, the other really big red flag is anything that would suggest 
called Aquinas syndrome and acute urinary retention, uh, urinary or fecal incontinence or saddle anesthesia would be the things you'd worry about there. So if you have those things, you need an urgent MRI. Otherwise, uh, generally, we don't recommend getting an MRI unless someone has failed conservative therapy uh, for six to eight weeks. The, the reason for that is that if you have a herniated disc, a lot of times these things will regress on their own and the pain, uh, the pain will subside. And if you image them early, you'll think there's something that needs surgery when in fact it'll get better by itself. The one last thing is if there are disabling symptoms, if you have someone who's got, who, who can barely function because the pain is so severe, then uh, at, at times we get MRIs sooner there. Uh, but th those are the main indications. I would say that that is one of the most common teaching points I have with both my students and, and residents when working with them is that the vast majority of people need to at least fail conservative therapy unless they have a red flag because sciatica often does resolve on its own. In fact, the vast majority do. Absolutely. You know, when I'm talking with patients and the patients often think that okay, I've got this terrible pain, uh, I need to get imaging. I explained to them that I consider an MRI to fundamentally be a pre-surgical tool. It's a tool to see whether surgery would help you. And then I say, would you like to have a surgery? And nobody wants to have surgery on their back if they can avoid it, at least not when they've had a, a just pain for a day or two. And, and it helps them understand that, and I can explain to them that natural history where it gets better. But, um, but yeah, I think it's best to think of it as it helps you to decide, will surgery help this person or not? That is the purpose of the MRI um, because it doesn't otherwise alter management. You know, you taught me that communication tool and I use it very often. So, so let's now talk about treatment. You've got a patient with no red flags and sciatica. What do we do next? So again, the pre even with the presence of sciatica, generally the initial treatment is going to be similar to acute low back pain with heat, uh, remaining active is certainly good advice. Uh, wh what we know is bed rest doesn't help back pain in the slightest and doesn't help sciatica. And as far as analgesics are concerned, uh, many people go with NSAIDs as the first line, although their benefits unclear in terms of whether they're more effective than acetaminophen. And so often you have to weigh, you know, what are the, uh, the risks of side effects given uh, the patient's particular characteristics. Many people have used muscle relaxants, but there really isn't good evidence showing that they add benefit over NSAIDs alone. And uh, they certainly come with more side effects, uh, notably sedation. You can also uh, use manual manipulation therapy. Uh, many clinicians know how to do this. I think, Frank, you, you have some expertise in this area. And, you know, or, or refer people to uh, someone with osteopathic skills or a chiropractor or even physical therapists. And physical therapists will do manual manipulation therapy as well. So physical therapy is another option. Um, and in that regard, there was a, a very interesting paper recently published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. And what they looked at is for people with uh, acute onset sciatica hadn't had uh, any problems, at least in the past year, this, they were, this is not chronic uh, condition. And what they did was they referred them uh, essentially immediately to physical therapy or gave them usual care in a randomized trial. And those who were referred to physical therapy uh, had their first appointment within three days of their uh, initial visit. 
Uh, everybody was given an educational booklet about managing back pain that advised some exercises, but the people with physical therapy saw the physical therapist uh, between uh, typically uh, six to eight visits over a month. So twice a week for the first two weeks, and then once or twice a week for the next two weeks. And what they found was that the group that got physical therapy early uh, had better functional outcomes at four weeks and at six months. And at one year, they were significantly more likely to consider the treatment a success. 45% thought it was a success with early physical therapy versus only 27% with usual care. I I, uh, I I can't agree more. I, I, I as you mentioned, I like uh, putting my hands on patients and trying to help them feel better. And uh, I have some great physical therapists I work with. Uh, and in particular with sciatica, you can make people feel better much quicker in my experience by having someone um, help them increase their range of motion and especially with their extension. Um, so I, I thought this paper was really fascinating and it's a really wonderful use of dollars. Investing in physical therapy is far better than the complications you can add by too many medications. So uh, what's the prognosis for patients with sciatica? How often does it do they fail conservative treatment? So actually, mo most patients improve uh, over two to four weeks uh, with uh, current therapy. Uh, the herniated discs, as I mentioned, will typically regress over about eight weeks. Um, but the problem is that you often will have a recurrence. About two-thirds of patients will recur within a year. And in terms of people who never get better, about 30% of patients uh, will still have persistent pain at one year. So you're talking about uh, a, a significant portion of patients that if we could improve uh, how they're doing, would uh, it would make a difference for them. Um, again, the initial treatment, avoiding things that make it worse, such as uh, reducing your activity, I think is is really important. All right, so Raul is in your he's in your uh, office, and uh, how are you going to manage him today? So the one of the things I would definitely do that I don't do currently, and I'll tell you why I don't I haven't done it, uh, but I would absolutely uh, encourage going to physical therapy early for him. And a couple points about that, you know, in this study, they only had six or eight. Um, physical therapy visits. So sometimes people think physical therapy is this thing where you go in a couple times a week for months to, to rehab. And that isn't the case. A lot of, I think what was taking place here was education. There was a specific exercises that were advised to the patients uh, to do in between the visits. And so I think there's a lot of good that can come from getting those patients active, stretching, as you say, early on. Uh, the, the, the biggest caveat and why haven't I done this before is at times it seems like, you know, it's a couple of weeks before you can get somebody in to see a physical therapist. And I find that's very variable. Other times I can get people in to see a physical therapist with, in a very timely fashion. So I think people have to understand what your re resources are available to you locally. But if you uh, have a good relationship with a physical therapist group or a physical therapist group and you can get people in quickly, then I would definitely strongly suggest this because, you know, what is your alternative to helping Roll get back quickly? Uh, you know, many people ultimately wind up turning to opioids, which we know has caused a lot of problems. So any non-pharmacologic uh, approach that has shown to be effective is something I'm going to uh, actively encourage.
Alan, thanks so much. I'll, uh, I, I really appreciate this, especially because I have a, a unique interest in manual medicine um, in clinical settings. So I, I agree. I think early referral for sci patients with sciatica to physical therapy will help. Um, I'll also add, if you go, go head to the landing page, I'll add a link there where I can apply a video where you might be able to try it in the office and at least give the patient maybe 20, 30 minutes of relief, something they can do at home uh, uh, until they can get in with PT. Alan, this was great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. For patients with acute low back pain with sciatica, early referral to physical therapy improves outcomes. Join us next time when we discuss the latest research on vitamin D supplementation, where it's beneficial and where it isn't. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.